Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Happy January 11th, or whenever you choose to watch this. We are just in the middle of a very difficult book and a difficult passage within the book, and that's 1 Peter. Once uh, again, if you've not listened to last week's, please listen there first, because you're coming in right during the dramatic car crash scene where it seems like we're the ones crashing, because it's difficult, and Peter is approaching a particular people at a particular point in time. And we miss this when we try to take this and make it universal and apply it in every situation, in every epoch, every age, every culture. Peter was addressing people who existed, people who were right there, that were were part of his life and his world. Please remember that. And remember when you're reading the Bible, you're reading somebody else's mail and only a portion of it. And almost never do you get to hear the response or follow-up questions. You get some of that in Corinthians, but most of the time you don't get that. So we look at this and we mine for the wisdom that we can. We try to be a, um, a good and approved before God by rightly dividing the word. All right, that's it. 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 3, but of course the first two verses talk about wives being submissive to their husbands, and it was all about trying to keep the marriage together, and in here there is no abuse. There is no failure to provide. There's none of that. The, The issue was that many women had become believers in Jesus, but their husbands had not, so they thought they may need to leave him or maybe maybe convert him and i've seen this many many times where a woman uh, loves her husband as she should and she loves jesus as she should but the husband who loves his wife has no real interest in jesus the wife is concerned about the soul of the husband so what does she do she tries you know come to church with me um come you know, read this book with me. Have you ever had a look at this? What if I invite the pastor over? Uh, and he's not interested, what, what should she do? That's who we're talking to. Those people at the time Peter was writing who lived in the empire, a Roman Empire. So this is a very narrow wedge of the pie, all right? And your situation might be all the way on the other end of the pie. So we just take what we can from this and then we try to live like Jesus and love like Jesus, and we get advice from our community, all right? And you can always write us questions at info at rsafeharbor.com. And if you really don't, if that comes in, it's also seen by our other two employees, our executive minister and our creative minister, uh, creative director. Uh, we also have another part-time employee, but she doesn't see it. If you need it to be just me, it's Patrick at OurSafeHarbor.com. Okay, let's get in. Let's jump in. It talks about um, you, you can win your husband without a word, 
by your behavior. Is that true? Well, yes, but not always and not everywhere. Sometimes husbands can be horrible ogres and they can be abusive and angry and spiteful. And so he's talking about here is a ploy that will work better than haranguing them. Because men don't like that from anybody. And they certainly don't want to you know, have a job where they are constantly pushed and constantly hassled and then come home and have another, another battlefront uh, waiting for them. And again, back in this time, uh, in the group Peter is writing to, most women worked at home. They did not have businesses elsewhere. He mainly worked in a Jewish Christian believer community. And so they had that type of, of uh, connection and, and history. So again, this may not apply. But generally speaking, men are wooed by love far faster than they are wooed by facts. We can see that. We see men divorcing their wives and marrying somebody who is just absolutely not on the same level as that wife. That wife was, was pretty and wonderful and patient and kind, and he's gone after this quick joy that ends up being a train wreck. It was, he reacted to that, not to facts. So Peter says, when they see the purity and reverence of your life, and then he talks about how their beauty, you know, how are you, how are you showing your beauty? Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, several things need to be discussed here. First of all, if we have to apply this at all times and all places, as some churches do, some smaller Protestant denominations use this, and they also use some in Timothy, to tell women they can't cut their hair, they can't braid their hair, they, um, they can't wear jewelry, they can't wear makeup. Well, no, you can do those things, but that's not the source of your beauty. The source of your beauty is that gentle and quiet spirit. Quiet spirit does not mean quiet mouth. You can be an extrovert and have a quiet spirit. A quiet spirit is you are at peace. Now, how can you be at peace? If you're in love with somebody, you're married to that person and you fear that they do not believe Jesus and you don't want them to die not knowing Jesus. How can you have a, a gentle and quiet spirit? By trusting God. By trusting that God will save a lot more than you might have been told. Tune into some Monday morning messages starting about now and see what you what you can find out about that and also some sermons we'll be doing but trust God he's going to do the right thing I baptized a guy named Bill Paul uh, a long time ago in Scotland and he was in his 70s when he found a little brochure that had uh, information about our church and he got a hold of me and he asked me questions and at first I thought I was in trouble because you know, the phone rang and picked it up and said, well, see, is that you that put this through my door? And I'm like, okay, let's talk. And he was a big old man at that time, 70s, but he had been 
basically a leg breaker and an enforcer for the unions in Scotland during the very tumultuous times in the west of Scotland when they were shutting down the shipyards and men had you know men who'd had money and dignity now had lost everything going into poverty. Uh, the unions of course fought back against that. It was a very dark time. And his wife all through these years was a devout believer in Christ and had tried and tried and tried and tried to get him to show some interest. And he had completely rejected that. But she'd now been dead for a few years. Now he was ready. And he was baptized. And he, he said, why, why, why didn't God reach out to me sooner? And I said, evidently you weren't ready. And he wasn't panicked. He knew he'd get you. He knew his love would cover you. So that gives you a gentle and quiet spirit. Be aware that your story is not ended yet and neither is the other. But if you really want to get a man on your side, as they say, honey draws more flies than vinegar. And I'm not trying to do this whole thing about just be sweet to your hubby. I'm talking about just be Christian, Christian to everybody. Your husband will notice it. Even if you think he's not, he probably is. Eh, and there are some dolts out there, but somebody needs to love them too, I guess. Uh, oh my goodness. And it, uh, again, you can braid your hair, you can do the, the makeup and such, but ladies, I just once again, I got to tell you that my heart breaks for you because men get away with looking pretty shabby and women are put under this impossible standard by the culture. Uh, we even parade them up and down a boardwalk and say, there she is, Miss America or Miss Universe, which is a kind of an arrogant thing to say since we haven't even found most of the universe, but there you go. You know, why is that the standard of beauty? Uh, I don't understand it. I hurt for you, but at the same time, I got to tell you, reality is different. Reality is your gentle and quiet spirit will have a lot more effect uh, upon the man than physical beauty. So I'm trying, I'm trying to find a way to say this gently. You can have some work done if you want to have some work done for your own self-esteem or for your own, um, eh, just the way you feel about life and you, but trying to have constant work done to keep up with uh, the younger the more athletic, the newer women that are being born all the time is, is not helpful. And guys, for you as well, you know, I had to have some surgery on this eyelid oh, five, six years ago because it had drooped so far that I couldn't see out of that eye. That's a genetic thing. And so I had that. I have no problem with you having surgery, and by the way, insurance wouldn't pay for it because they said, even though it, we understand that you can't see, it's still considered cosmetic surgery. And I went, okay. Uh, and so we paid for it. And if I live a couple more years, I'm going to have to have it again because it's drooping down. I'm not opposed to cosmetic surgery, especially when somebody's had accidents, injuries, burns, or whatever, or cancers, but just don't be sheer. Don't be Joan Rivers. Guys, don't be Kenny Rogers. Um, it just doesn't look right after a while. 
and aging gracefully is perhaps a more beautiful thing than we've given it credit for. But I'm not trying to lay down sin and not sin rules here. I'm just talking to you as a friend, all right? If you disagree with me, you've not hurt anybody <laughs> at all. A lot of people disagree with me, and here's the annoying thing. A lot of them are right, too. So, fair enough? All right. So this gentle and quiet spirit, verse 5, for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. And again, he uses the word, they were submissive to their own husbands. Uh, and again, notice that he says, your own, your own. Not submissive to men. That's, that's kind of important. Even though, as you saw last week, I wish we could use a different word than submissive here. But again, he's talking to people in a particular culture. Uh, we can learn from this, but this is not our culture, right? I, um, I don't want my wife to be a mouse, and she isn't. She's a person with an incredible intelligence, and she has opinions, and not all of those are the same as my opinions, but we're, we're really comfortable with that. We understand that. doesn't bother us a bit. Uh, and we did a counseling session, and I don't do counseling, all right? So I'm, but this was a, a young couple that's about to be married, and they, they just said, we just want to hear from you about being married. And so we were just talking back and forth, and the young man looked, and he said, I've known you guys for years and years, and I can't imagine you guys having an argument. And I said, see, there's the thing. We really don't because I respect her, she respects me. We went through the whole thing. Now, I'm not saying that's best because I have some very good friends who sometimes I get uncomfortable because I, I think they're about to pull knives and go for each other, but their marriage is solid. They're cool. So again, however you do this, but these women, he's saying, made themselves beautiful by their behavior, by their attitudes and by their spirit. That's a really tough ask, isn't it? It really is. And ladies, I'm not going to look at you and just say, just be sweet. You know, that's what uh, Warren Jeffs, the perverted, self-appointed prophet of the fundamental Latter-day Saints, used to say to women when he abused them and when he stole other men's wives and drove young men away. He would tell the women, you've got to stay sweet. And that was written all over. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that being nice to people is sometimes the hardest thing anybody could ever do. And yet, if your spirit is calm and at peace, there's a real attraction there. It really is. It's more than curves and it's more than hair. It's that, what do you see in their eyes? What do you feel from their heart? Okay, all right. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master, okay. Okay, um, God is never, never, never asking you, he just isn't, to look upon your husbands as your master or to call him that. There was a, um, there's a great song, you might want to look this up on YouTube, John Prine, one of the greatest songwriters for the last generation, wrote a song called Grandpa Was a Carpenter, and it's a beautiful snapshot of grandparents in the 40s and 50s and 60s 
It really is. It is just such an amazing song. And if you don't like John Prine singing, just read the lyrics. But it talked about his mother had pride in her husband and how she called him Mr. And the like, and it was uh, his grandmother. And it was all about, that was the culture of that day. The way you showed pride and respect to each other. Well, we got to find a way to show pride and respect to each other here, but Cammie has never called me master, nor will she, because I'm not her master. Jesus is. Sarah didn't have Jesus. Sarah and Abraham didn't have Jesus. And he's just using her as an illustration, not as like a cookie cutter that you've got to also turn out exactly like Sarah. Abraham was not perfect. In fact, he was incredibly imperfect. And I think if I had known him living now, not back then, because back then I would have been as ignorant as he was, but living now, a bunch of us would take him around behind the house and have a discussion with him about the way he was treating Sarah. That he needed a man and Hagar and Ishmael, a lot of people, but they didn't have Jesus. We've got all of these thousands of years of Jesus since. So things have changed and for the better. You are her daughter.